0: Hell of a win. Hell of a win. Like oh, and we needed yesterday to regroup and you guys just fought and fought and fought and fought today. Everybody contributed. The bench was great. The starters were really good down the stretch. There was so much good about this game. And it was together, right? It's we and we all did it together tonight. And that's this is how it feels when you do it together. This is how it feels, right here, right now. Alright? Hey, let's go get one of them all. <laughs> Now working on Ninto, he'll dance, he'll step, he'll shoot,
1: We are here to feel your Rockets News. This is the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch fans. I am your host, Lashar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops or any of my written work at SB Nation. And today we have a very special guest. You all know him, of course. Um, before we get too deep into the Rockets, actually pulling out a great win last night, I want to give him a chance to reintroduce himself to the podcast.
0: Oh, <laughs> hey, Lashard, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, Dave Hardesty, Uh uh, Manage Clutch fans and, and uh, host a Rockets watch, and uh, it's uh, appreciate you having me on. It's uh, always great to catch up with
1: you. Uh, absolutely, and it's especially good because we actually playing this before the Rockets actually even won last night because I, I don't think many people probably thought the Rockets was going to win, especially after that unfortunate series of games bet- uh, against the Denver Nuggets where the Rockets um, lost back-to-back games. The first game was competitive. The last game, I think most people probably even tuned out in the fourth quarter because that game... Yes. Was over pretty much in the first half. Um, but tonight's uh, last night game, the Rockets actually pulled out a huge win. They were down the same formula. They were down double digits. They were struggling in the first half. But the difference was in this game, the Rockets fought back and actually got a 122 to 121 win in a very strange game. If you look at the numbers, me and Dave were talking about this a little bit before we jumped on air. Um, the Rockets shot horrible from three point range, only shot 33%. The backcourt struggled um, as far as from the field all game long. Um, the Rockets, like I said earlier, they were down double digits in the first half, and it seemed like uh, Phoenix was going to kind of run away with this game. Phoenix came into the, the game with uh, the best home record of 12-1. and one. Even without Chris Paul, they had been rolling pretty much the majority of the season. And, of course, the Rockets only had two wins on the road coming into this game. And they were, One was against Orlando. The other one was against Dallas, who didn't even have Lucas. So not a lot of people were – Probably expecting the Rockets to come away with a whim, but they they outscored uh, the Phoenix by eleven in the fourth quarter. Jalen Green did something that I think was really encouraging. He struggled from the field, but instead of kind of just pouting and and continuing to shoot up, you know, threes that he wasn't making, he was taking it to the uh, basket. Uh, he was extremely aggressive, taking it to the basket. Yeah. Um, he had. Uh, a ton of free throws uh, and was something else we were kind of joking about before. It was kind of like a James Harden type game where you struggle from the field, but somehow you still end up with 30 plus points because you're getting to the line constantly. And that's exactly what Jalen green did. If I'm not mistaken, he had 20 points in the third quarter, his yeah. best quarter of his career. Um, and you kind of saw that from all the Rockets. Cause the Rockets had over 40 free throws last night. It was a huge discrepancy between them and Phoenix. Um, something you'd love to see from the Rockets' side that they didn't just give up. Like like this game last year, the Rockets probably would have uh, lost by 30. I mean, heck, we just saw it <laughs> a couple of days ago where the Rockets didn't come back and the game was pretty much over. But this game, they fought back. Um, they were able to get to the free throw line. They stayed aggressive. Uh, and for once, they were the, actually the more aggressive team. They didn't back down in the fourth quarter, which is kind of a, just a huge development overall. And I don't want to just... Forget about some of the other players that kind of made this comeback possible. And Bruno Fernando, who in 13 minutes, I mean, he probably had a career game in the 13, 14 minutes. He was on the court. He had 10 points in the fourth quarter. It was just amazing. So I I want to kind of get your opinion on some of the other players that kind of stepped up. I mean, of course, we know you're kind of the foremost authority on Jabari Smith. So I definitely don't want to forget (laughs) him because he has been great these last several games. He's more aggressive. He's not hesitating on any of his shots and he's actually taking different types of shots, mid range shots, post-ups. He's doing kind of, and it doesn't even seem like the plays are being called for him. He's just kind of just taking the ball and doing it. So we'll kind of start with there. What have you seen from Jabari Smith um, last game and just overall the last several games?
0: Well, that's actually a great question. I'm I'm really excited about where we're, where we're heading with him. Um, As you, you know, you know, and, and and obviously the listeners know that, uh, you know, first 15 games or so with Jabari uh, were, have been a struggle. Um, yeah. Like, you know, he really, uh, there were a lot of issues. I think people were, you know, certainly doing some victory laps. Anyone who thought he had like significant weaknesses and, yeah. you know, there were even some people claiming he was a bust and I'm like, wow, it's like really early, but you know, last eight games, I think he's averaging just a hair under 15 points per game. Uh, efficient. He's hitting 43% from three during that stretch. Uh, seven and a half boards. He's starting to show some things now that uh, makes you realize why this guy was you know drafted as high as he was. Um, and you have to be, I'm, I'm personally, that's one of the big takeaways from this game. Super excited about Jalen and Jabari from last night. And Jalen, as far as efficiency, he like really didn't have this tremendous game last night. Yeah. 8 of 24, and he had a really abysmal first half, as you pointed out. Had the huge third quarter, but we just saw sort of the blueprint for how he could be like the alpha dog of his team. Like he just um, even played at at times some some, you know, ball hawk type defense. But he was aggressive in that second half and sort of showing you at least how he could fill the role of being um, that superstar player. But, you know, to answer your question, Jabari, in my opinion, is uh, heading in an extremely positive direction, looks much more comfortable. I honestly thought it started just before the Golden State game. When he was dancing a little bit behind, yes, you know, behind Ackerman him. and Hollins. And I, I remember <laughs> yes. noting like he looks so comfortable, like he looks just happy because I thought, you know, things were kind of yeah. negative at that point. And he came out of that game just loose and quick release. And right now he's uh he's everything looks great. This guy's nineteen years old. Like yes. and, and playing thirty plus minutes a night. And uh I think there's, there's nowhere to go but up with Jabari.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think people forget that all the time that he's is nineteen years old. He's I mean, he's, his his body hasn't even fully developed. The Jabari you see oh, now yeah. is not the Jabari you're going to see in three or four years. You're gonna, it's going to be a totally different type of player. So to, to see that he's already – like we saw last year for many reasons, not just because of Jalen, but it took Jalen almost to the All-Star break to kind of take that next step from being a, a, a young rookie, trying to learn things, and finally starting to get it in the NBA. And is already getting there. Now we, we're not – we're just getting into December. So he's definitely ahead of schedule um, yes. I know people saw Apollo, Bancaro, and they thought, oh, wow, Rockets should have. But you have to kind of look at the way the teams are structured. I mean, it's Orlando structure structured to where Apollo needs to be the number one guy. Jabari doesn't need to be the number one guy for the Rockets. So he had time to kind of get himself acclimated with the Rockets and what they want him to do. And you're starting to see that now. And I know defensive stats don't always show up um, in the box score, um, particularly like when he last night, it was one play where well, he had just scored in the paint. Um, a couple of plays later, uh, Devin Booker was coming down the court full speed, and Jabari stopped him right in the track, right in the paint to made uh, Booker pass the ball back out. It's not anything that's going to show up in the box score, but that's some of the stuff he does throughout the game that the Rockets sorely need on this team. The Rockets yeah. need players that can actually defend and that are willing to defend because they don't have nearly enough of those type of players. We talk a lot about the offense, but the Rockets' defense is probably their biggest issue right now, and you need a player like Jabari Smith who can kind of do everything on the court. Um, So, yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Jabari is taking huge step forward, and it did did seem like right after that Golden State game or during that Golden State game is kind of where he flipped the switch to where he seemed like he's having fun playing basketball again. He's not just overthinking it all the time. So I know that was something Coach Salah said, that he just wants him to go out there and play and not just think about every single play that he wants to make on the court. So he seems a lot more comfortable definitely on the court. I want to kind of go a little bit back into uh, Jalen Green and last night's game. And you were talking about how he wasn't efficient, but he was still able to affect the game uh, because he was able to get to the free throw line. What's some of the things you've seen from Jalen Green, uh, not just this game, but just overall, it seems like he's a lot more aggressive this year going to the basket and the refs are finally starting to, you know, give him the respect that. He deserves when he is going to the basket.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. You pointed out last, uh, you know, just a little bit about last night. Is he had the sixteen free throws? I mean, yeah. this is um, I, I think what I'm really encouraged about with Jalen is he's doing things that he didn't necessarily do last year. We knew he could score. We knew, uh, you know, his his uh, athleticism and, and first step is you know next level. Like those things are you know check the box of a, a superstar. So we already kind of knew that stuff. His shooting, I think, will will it's been inconsistent this year, but I think it will get better. But we're seeing him a little bit better on the boards. We're seeing him a lot better uh, creating. Now he's turning it over too, but like he's getting opportunities to create. I mean, if this is a guy who can give you five, you know, plus assists a game, we're talking about a completely different player—not a a a potential scoring champion, but a more well-rounded player. Yeah. Um, and as you pointed out, he's getting to the line, so. I think those are the things that you're looking for um, from Jalen Green. is just positive development and progress. And I I think that's what's exciting about the two players that they have, Jabari and Jalen, is these guys aren't satisfied. They have strong work ethics. Um, They want to be great. They want to win. Um, And, you know, maybe they're not there right now. I mean, we're talking about a 20-year-old and a 19-year-old. But but I think that the future is really bright looking at these guys because I think, you know, the the hope is maybe not – it's maybe not linear, but literally the, you know, the next day they are better than the day before. And that's what you hope uh, looking at these two. And, and I think that's what we're seeing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And I, I think the, the biggest thing is neither one of them are selfish type of players. Um, for instance, and not that Anthony Edwards is a selfish player, but there were stats that were coming out left and right about how Anthony Edwards is not passing to certain players and uh, a certain amount of times specifically like Rudy Gobert and, And then his body language is kind of where he's frustrated a lot of times. And you just don't really see that from like Jalen Green. Yes, he gets upset sometimes, but it seems like he's always um, trying to help his teammates out. And like you mentioned, as far as his facilitating this year, I mean, it's taking a huge jump this year. I don't think most people would expect it this soon for him to be able to go out there and give you six or seven games in a row where he's given five plus assists a game. I mean, he's already had his career high in assists already in the game this year. And he just continues to seem like he he wants to get his his teammates involved. And I think that also has to do with the chemistry on the team. I mean, even though the Rockets uh, coming into this game have the worst record in the Western Conference, the chemistry still seems to be intact. I think that's a huge reason why you see um, players like Jalen Green being really unselfish and even Jabari at times too much, probably too unselfish. Um, and and sure. that goes a long way when you're trying to build, you know, build up a team, especially a young team. And, and Jalen Green being able to be um, sometime a primary facilitator, sometime a secondary facilitator. I mean, that's a huge development uh, going forward because most people thought it would probably take him three or four years, if, if ever, if he ever got to that point where he was actually a real facilitator on the team.
0: Yeah, um, 100% agree with you. I I think that's what uh, is exciting about the year, just in general. Um, I mean, because it has been a year where, you know, for a good portion of it, I'd say the majority of it, they've been the the worst team in the league. They're not right right now. But, um, you know, uh, those two is where you want to see growth. And there were stretches. I think there was a four-game stretch early in the year where Jalen, you're like, man, did he make, did he work on anything this, <laughs> this off season, you know, yeah. and uh, it, it it's definitely clear that he has. Um, and, uh, you know, a year ago this time we didn't th- see, I mean, I know there were some that were like, this guy's never going to be a playmaker. He'll be a great yeah. scorer, but like, you know, and, and there were comparisons to just, uh, you know, six men or guys who could just score, but <laughs> I, th- I think yeah. he's got a lot more potential than that. And uh, yeah, I mean, Jalen and Jabari are the feature. And then you can see the steps, you know, moving forward about, you know, adding another pick and then, you know, adding veterans and in, in, in trades and free agency in the offseason. But uh, this season re- is really about picking out your core pieces and, and Jalen and Jabari are, are should be top of the
1: list. Absolutely. I think that's one of the most important things because one way or another, the Rockets are going to be expecting to win more games next year whether it's because they bring in a Wimbledon or because they bring in, I mean, it's not a lot of top-level free agents, but they are going to be bringing in some type of veterans next year. So you want to see exactly what you have this year, who can actually take that next step forward. Because as much as we all like the players on the team, we all know, I mean, especially us, I mean, we've been watching the game for a long time. The, the team you see right now is not the team you're going to see if the Rockets are competing for championships three or four years from now. It's sure. going to be, majority of these players are probably not even going to be on the team, but you want to see what players can fit around a, t- a winning environment. Um, so you have to figure that out this year. Uh, another player I want to actually. I kind of want to talk about the center position. It ties into this game perfectly and it kind of ties into the entire season. So we can kind of just talk about all of it, but what's kind of been your impression on the centers? Because we saw last night exactly what I think the coaching staff is having a problem with. Um, you have Apron Shangoon, a great talent who does some of the, I mean, not just some of the, not the best post uh, post uh, player on the team, He's one of the best post up players in the entire league. He does some special things on the court, and then there's other things that he doesn't do as well that maybe some of the other centers do. And we kind of saw that last night. So, (laughs) what's kind of your overall impression of the centers on the team, just from last night's game, and just overall the entire season?
0: Yeah, it's funny. You know, there there have been a lot of games lately where Shingun sort of uh, maybe is the best player on the team, or or, you know, best player in that game. He's been effective, or maybe the plus minus shows. Um, you know that he was effective. Last night was not that game. Um, yeah. You know he was he had thirteen points, five of seven shooting, but he was negative nineteen in his in his time. <clears throat> and then Bruno, who's been coming back from injury, you know steps in in the fourth, and he and KPJ just sync up, link <laughs> yeah. up, and then it's is like pick and roll after pick and roll. The lob threat, which has been sort of like a, a meme, it's been mocked, you know, because he, he was going to yes. start because he was a lob threat, um, you know, sort of showed up and and Bruno was the opposite plus 15 in like 14 minutes. And I actually outscored Shingun. He was seven of eight from the field. It was, you know, and, and he has no bag uh, like Shingun <laughs> at, at all, all. But, was, yeah, but somehow he, he does that. And so, um, you know, I, I would definitely would not do this um, based off of one game, yeah. but I just think that you can tell the coaching staff um, doesn't quite trust Shingun defensively yet and you know even i think that goes a little bit to the front office too and if we're looking at like core pieces long term there's probably nobody more polarizing as polarizing as kpj is i think shangun is extremely polarizing yeah. um like people are either like he's going to be an all-star because his his offensive skills are so good and and i could see that argument or that he's you know his defense is going to be a liability in the league so there's really not uh, much in between. I lean a little bit more towards, uh, not all the way there, but I lean a little bit more towards his defense makes it very hard to build around him. He's extremely skilled offensively, maybe the smartest player on the team, uh, knows, you know, makes really good reads, advanced reads, but um, it's, that's a very big question mark in these final 60 games or so, uh, of figuring out what is Alpern Shingun's future here? How does he fit in with Jalen Jabari and is KPJ part of that and, and all that? Yeah. So those, those are the, the big question marks, in my opinion, uh, the ran, remainder of the year.
1: Yeah, it's, I think Shane kind of caught the Rockets off guard last year. I, I, I expect they, of course they drafted him, so they, they knew he was good, but I don't think they thought he was going to be this good this fast. Yeah. So it's kind of throwing them off. They trying to figure out exactly what they want to do with him because you, you explained it perfectly. He's definitely has the the best um, overall game, offensive game on the team. I'm, I'm kind of combining his facilitating and his his basketball knowledge, and then of course his scoring ability. Um, he he he's probably one of the smartest NBA players in the you know, one of the smartest players in the entire NBA. But at the same time, as something Coach Silas mentioned, and I know people kind of got up in arms about it, but he mentioned that <clears throat> when it's a close game. More likely, he's going to go with a Fernando or even a Garuba down the stretch because he wants mm-hmm. that defensibility um, in the lineup because when Shane is out there, they can't really blitz pick and rolls. Not that Fernando is going to be out there guarding Devin Booker one-on-one, but at the same time, he's a little bit more adept at um, protecting the lane. He's a little bit more adept at playing the pick and roll on defense. And like you mentioned, he also does give you that lob threat on the other end that I know people were mocking, but it is a real thing. I mean, we, <laughs> it we, we, saw, we, we saw it here with Clint Capella for years. Like James Harden um, had some of his best assist years when Clint Capella was here. Oh, yeah. And that's that's not a, that's not like, you know, some mistake. Um, it's because it makes the game a lot easier for guards, especially like Kevin Porter Jr., who not, who doesn't always necessarily have – can make the pinpoint passes like some point guards. It makes it a lot easier for him to be able to get around on a pick and roll and and make the decision a lot easier. He doesn't have to worry about making a bounce pass or a pass out to the corner. He can just throw up a lob to Bruno Fernando, as we saw last night, and it makes it a lot easier. So, <clears throat> it's a strange situation. Then you you don't even you're not even factoring in Garuba, who didn't get a lot of minutes last night. Um, yeah, that's a whole other situation. I know they're trying to maybe force him to play power forward, which is kind of a strange position for him because even though. Yes, he's, he was shooting great from three-point range or is on really low volume. Um, I don't know if you can kind of put that out towards the entire season and he's going to be shooting uh, anywhere close to 40% from three-point range. So it's <laughs> it's it's a weird situation, and I think that's something that they get, they're they going to have to figure out. Now, if they get Wimbyama, it's a really easy decision <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, you right. play Wimbyama and then if Shane is fine being a six-man, I think that'll be a perfect role for him after that point. But for now... It's gonna be like this all year. They're gonna be going back and forth between playing um Fernando, playing Shangoon Shangoon's gonna look like an all-star one game, and the next game he's gonna get twenty minutes and probably get up four shots. So that's gonna be a point of contention all year long. And you're exactly right. The the Rockets don't know exactly what they wanna do. Um as far as the center position goes and and, and another player yeah. that you you brought up um no go ahead if you want to uh, oh no
0: I, uh, you, I don't i don't want to i mean i think you made a great point there um you know it's funny we talk about Shingun, kpj sort of guys yeah. that like are, are have been good but we don't know like for sure they are fixtures long term yeah. they may be but we I, I don't know if we can say that 100% and the draft is going to bring out guys mainly at the top that are yeah. those positions. The first three picks are center, point guard, point guard. At least yeah. that's what we think the first three picks are going to be. So it's, it's funny. Some of these decisions may be made for the Rockets just by virtue of where they end up in the draft.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, because at the end of the day, if you get either one of those first two picks, that kind of makes your decision overall. I mean, as <clears throat> much as I am, the biggest defender can put Porter junior around. I mean, but even uh-huh. I can realize that if you get a scoot Henderson, it, it, it decisions already pretty much made for you at the end of the day, because I mean, those two are top level talents. Of course, the this, this season still has to play out, but I mean, we, we pretty much seen them play. We pretty much know exactly what they're going to be bringing. We know what the scouts are saying about them. So that makes the decision extremely easy. Now, the Rockets get the fourth or fifth pick, then we're going to have a, a whole lot to talk about um, around draft time because yeah, that's when about. it gets a little bit more dicey on exactly what you want to do. Do you want to go out and get a more veteran point guard? Do you want to maybe go out and get somebody else and have Shane Gill come off the bench? It's going to be a lot more questions that's going to go into it then. Um, but I do want to ask you about because you brought up Kevin Porter Jr. I do want to ask you about Kevin Porter Jr. because um, last night wasn't one of his better overall games. He had a lot of – yeah, like I think five turnovers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he also struggled from the field. He was able to get to the free throw line. He's 8 or 9 from the free throw line. But he, he's also one of the type of players that when he's on, he's on. You can see the skill level. You can see exactly what he can bring. But then mm-hmm. at the same time, it's sort of like with Shane When his deficiencies are coming to the forefront, like over-dribbling or not making the correct uh, decision, then you kind of see, okay, this is why the Rockets may be considering maybe getting somebody else to run the point guard position. So what's kind of been your overall impression of Kevin Porter Jr.? Because it doesn't seem like he's taken a huge leap forward in one area in particular this year um, that I know some people maybe were hoping. But at the same time, he hasn't been particularly bad in any – it's kind of like he's just been average for most of the year as far as his overall play.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think right now he's one of – like as far as just talent and experience, he's one of the best players yes. um, all on the team right now. Um, but I, my my whole view is is simplistic is I think everything he does well, like is tailor-made for a six-man mm-hmm. for the Rockets or a two-guard somewhere else. Like, And I'm not saying he needs to be somewhere else, but I'm saying like I, I don't think as a point guard that this works. Now it's only 20-something games. I would give it the rest of the year. I don't yes, think there's no. any – any rush, like, you know, to, uh, like, you know, you got to fix this right now. I I use Mike Conley with the jazz, it's like the perfect, or the example of kind of like a perfect, both veteran presence and point guard for the team, like an experienced savvy guy, but also is talented. I mean, no, no disrespect to DJ Augustine, but they've had some guys who are veterans who could teach and and show, but like they're not going to go out there and make a significant impact. But, um, You know, KPJ to me is sort of like a guy who can do a little bit of everything and it's sort of tailor made for that role like I agree he's as far as a two guard he's a plus playmaker as far as a point guard some of this isn't quite as natural for him I think it's, I've compared it to like taking Karis LeVert and making him a point guard because Karis LeVert does have that plus uh, playmaking ability. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I said, I get, I'll give it more time. I just I'm, – I'm not uh, – you know, for what they're trying to do, make him into a point guard, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I just yeah. – I'm, I'm willing to wait it out, but I just don't – I don't see that working right now. But And he's a little bit down this year overall in shooting f- from three-point range because he yeah. had a really good year last year. I think he was 37-plus percent. I, that's, I think, encouraging yeah. to me. In a catch-and-shoot situation, he's been really good last year and I believe this year as well. Um, I'd like to see more opportunities for him. So, in other words – he plays as a three, as a as a two off of, off of Jalen, or just backup um, in general six man, where he is in a lot more situations off of a point guard in, in catch and shoot scenarios.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't think the Rockets should be tied to anything at this point. I mean, right. if he ultimately ends up being a small forward, I don't think that's any judgment against him. It's just the way right. that the team is kind of. Uh, evolving into their next step of trying to become a winning team. And I agree. I I, I don't want to make any decisions right now. And that's why I don't really get too up in arms about the whole KPJ point guard or not, because you, you let this season play out. And then yeah. at the end of the year, then you can figure out exactly what you want to do because right now we know everybody knows, the Rockets aren't competing for a playoff spot. They're not competing for a play-in spot. They're trying to develop, like we mentioned earlier, they're trying to develop the team and see exactly who's going to be the core of the team. So let Kevin Porter Jr. Either sink or swim as a point guard this year. And then you can definitely next year is when you need to know one way or another, you need to have a definite decision. Okay. Is yeah. this the guy you're going forward with at point guard? Or are you trying to make other decisions as far as him possibly come off the bench or being a six man? And, the connotation of coming off the bench as being something negative, I, I never really understood because yes. at the end of the day, the starters really don't matter. It's really who finishes the game and who plays the most minutes. Because yes. <clears throat> as we know, we've watched NBA for a long time. I mean, it's been some great players that coming off the bench. I mean, you can go all the way back to the 80s and Kevin McHale, who's a Hall of Famer. He played off the bench. Um, Sam Cassell played off the bench for a couple years for the Rockets, even though let's be honest, he was better than Kenny Smith Um, pretty much from the time he came on the court, but he came off the bench. Uh, Manu Ginobili, another player came off the bench. I mean, it's been plenty of players that have come off the bench. I mean, uh, Jamal Crawford for majority of year, I mean, people know his career as coming off the bench, being one of the best six man's years. So I don't necessarily see anything wrong with him coming off the bench, even with, kind of going back to and Shangoon I mean I I didn't really go up in arms about him not starting or starting because it really doesn't matter really is about how many minutes you play per game and if you're in the game in the fourth quarter when the game is tight that's really what matters at the end of the day but just kind of going back to Kevin Porter Jr yeah I agree you let the season play out you see how he, he does you evaluate him from there and then like I said if the draft happens you get one of the top two picks then your decision is pretty easy at that point but right
0: yeah we're perfectly in sync on that
1: on that because
0: um that's exactly what I've been saying like what does it really matter like KPJ if he comes off the bench he's still going to have a a significant role and I think I'm hoping that he would be open to that I mean they him and Jalen talk about you know the twins and and you know that they are going to you know three and four forever and and all that stuff and it, it could still be that way but in a different in a different way. And I'm hopeful that he'll have no issues with that. If it comes to that, Um, you know, like I said, he could prove me wrong and end up being the starting point guard, but um, you know, I, and same thing with Shangun, like you said, like if he comes off the bench, he's still going to play significant minutes. It's, they're still going to give him that opportunity, but it just may be a better uh, fit with, with, you know, what they're starting. So yeah, I don't see it as a a demotion. And I hope he wouldn't either because um, six men in this league, I mean, Jordan Clarkson's been fantastic. I think he started more this year, but like last year, six man and and was outstanding. Eric Gordon's been a significant player as a six man. So I think he is tailor made for the role. He could still start in in some other scenarios, but um, I think he as a six man would be really effective in the NBA. And I hope he doesn't miss that that calling if, uh, if it comes to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, basically, I mean, for fans, you just don't really need to get, too emotional about rotations and stuff this year because ultimately really it really starts next year for the Rockets I mean the entire organization from coach Silas to the players on the team that's when I'm sure Fertitta is going to really start to want to see more results on the court of course they want to see results Mm -hmm. this year I don't think they want to be the worst team in the league again this year because you don't have to be the worst team to be able to be in the top four as we know because the Rockets have been the worst team they still haven't got the top pick Uh, the last couple of years. So I think the organization does want to see them actually make progress, win some games, Um, but they're not expecting them to be um, a play-in team or a team like, even like Indiana this year, who was like surprising the Indianas and Sacramento's of the world who are, who are actually competing for playoff spots at this point. (laughs) Um, I don't think they Front office is definitely expecting that, but they, they don't want to see them, again, be the worst team in the league and make zero progress. Then that's when I think they have a problem. But next year, I think they're expecting a lot more. Big, I mean, Fortita said it himself. They're expecting a lot more things from the Rockets next year. That's when you can really start to kind of dig your teeth into rotations and who should be playing and who shouldn't even be on the roster anymore.
0: Yeah, I think in next year, I mean, I think there's going to be enough changes to where it won't be. Like, I think they're going to add, yeah. you know, like – you, you outlined it, but, you know, a couple veteran pieces, another draft pick. But I think if they're 6-20 and 20 or something like that next year, I think heads are going to roll because, yeah. like, they, they, just, yes. that, that they were sold on, a, you know, the fatitas on a blueprint on 23-24 being competitive. Not, like, uh, contention, but, like, you know, at least competing for a play-in next year. Yes.
1: Um,
0: and I think that's the, that's the bar and where they expect it to be.
1: Yeah. And uh, before we wrap up the show, I want to kind of yeah. uh, ask you about tonight's game um, because the Rockets <laughs> do play again tonight. We don't know what Golden State's going to do because they're kind of in the mode of the San Antonio mode <laughs> where they're resting their starters. They played last night. Um, I, I don't even know if they beat Chicago or not, but they played last night. Curry, Thompson, the entire team played last night. So they may not even play tonight. But what are you expecting to see from the Rockets tonight? Well, what do you want to see from them? Um, because we all, whether we want them to tank or not tank, that's a whole nother discussion, but we all want to see them make progress. So what do you want to see from the Rockets tonight, win or lose?
0: Um, It's kind of, for me, it's the same thing. Every game it's Jalen and Jabari that are 1A, 1B. And I don't even know which ones, you know, 1A. Uh, Like those, those two for me are the the lifeboat for us to get back to, to play in and, and contention. Now, there are other guys here like that matter. But like for me, I want to see the volume. I want to see uh the plays and, and the hierarchy reflect that. Um, So that's what I'm looking for is just continued progress from those guys because I do think that those – that right now that's your foundation. You could add a Wemby or something and it changes significantly. But right now that's – those are your two surefire core players. And I think last night was a good progress for that. So that's what I'm hoping hoping to see tonight. I do want to keep an eye on – a uh, perimeter defense. It's been an issue yes. where you know Booker obviously was, you know, outside of the final two shots, was torching last night. Um, we saw Curry and and Clay just go off in the game against Golden State. We saw the Atlanta game where you know DeJounte and, and Trey Young combined for what, like 80 or something, yes. 80 plus, you know. So um against a team like Golden State, it's the perimeter defense I'm really focused on. And I think I'm also, uh, I think the most interesting topic for me right now is Shingun. Like, I want to see, because we've had a lot of internal debates. I know on Rockets watch, uh, you know, Roosh is very pro-Shingun. I'm a little bit more on the opposite side. And so we've had some debates, uh, healthy debates about that. Like, you know, is is Shingun, um, is his offense something that's so important that you build around it? Or is his defense more of an issue with the other talent that you have on the roster? So that's something I'm keeping an eye on. Um, and yeah, that's kind of it going into the game, but I'm, I'm hopeful that at least they're competitive. I'm not so much like they got to win the game, but I I would love to see them competitive like they were last night.
1: Yeah. And that's a great point about Shane gun, because a lot of times the warriors go small, they take Looney completely off the court and they will have Draymond, as we know, they will have him at the five. And then that's when you're starting to. Um, not that Draymond's going to be stepping out and making eight or nine threes, but he's going to be moving all over the court. He's not going to be stationary. And then that's when, okay, what do the Rockets do? Um, because if I'm not mistaken against Golden State, the first time they actually had Jabari playing a lot of five, um, not a lot, but they had him playing some five um, during that game, because just because Golden State going so small, the Rockets are not going to necessarily be able to even have Fernando on the court at times. Um, so that's, that's the interesting part is as Jabari starts to develop more and more um does the matter of even having Shane Goon or Fernando on the court does that even factor into it because the Rockets may eventually play Jabari more at the five not that he'll be a center um going forward but they may start to do more of that model where they have them playing a small ball five um sort of like when they had, Um, P.J. Tucker here or Covington here, and they were playing a lot of small ball five, especially to end the game. So it'll be interesting. Like you said, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out because, of course, Golden State is a unique team um, that everything they do is kind of just around ball movement and getting players in certain spots and something the Rockets just definitely struggle with is is staying attached to to their ball handler and not getting lost in backdoor cuts and something Colton state does all the time. So yeah, Just the overall defense is definitely going to be something I'm going to be watching tonight. Um, before we wrap it up, uh, why don't you, uh, just let everybody know again, a little bit about rocket watch, uh, how unique that is and what y'all are doing there.
0: Oh yeah, I absolutely um, appreciate it. It's kind of, it's kind of new this year through, through playback, uh, Jackson, Gatlin, Roosh Williams, and myself, we've been, uh, you know, swapping out hosting and, and hosting together uh, rocket games this year. So, um, people can come in, watch the game, Uh, Chat. They can come up on stage, talk about the game, but we're watching it live together. It's kind of like a watch party. Um, And the response has been overwhelming. It's been awesome. Uh, Just uh, people coming in and, you know, we we bring them up at halftime, bring them up before the game, after the game. Um, And it's just a live discussion as we're watching the game together. The reactions have been have been great. Um, And so it's been a lot of fun, healthy debates. And uh definitely some different opinions on there as well. Um yeah, sure. But we've been, we've been really enjoying it and uh I appreciate you, yeah, you mentioning it because it's been, it's been something new this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's almost like a spaces, but it's a spaces while you're watching the game, which is a good combination because as we know, there's a lot of Rockets fans that have plenty to say <laughs> when it comes yes, to the Rockets. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm sure I've been in, I've been in some of them and, and you know, hearing some of them talk, it's, it's, it's a it's definitely a, a strong opinionated fan base we have here. Oh, I, I would doubt. say that I would say that at the very least. But no, Dave, <laughs> I appreciate you uh, jumping on. We definitely gotta do this a lot more. Um, because we'll have plenty of more games to talk about. Um, yeah. not even to mention the draft, that's gonna be a whole nother a whole, oh, whole nother story, depending on how that goes. That's but yeah, I appreciate I appreciate out. you coming on.
0: Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Anytime, Lashard, appreciate it. You're doing a great job. You and Bader both uh love what you're doing
1: yeah i definitely appreciate that thank you and as usual we appreciate everybody that jumps on every week that chases out on youtube chases out uh apple spotify wherever you get your podcast uh we appreciate the comments we always take those in consideration uh so make sure you're checking us out for our next episode of the rocket fuel podcast presented by clutch fans